Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 34 of the Commando Voice. On this episode, I speak to the organizer of many local events here in this area, as well as the owner of Soul Reflections. Please welcome Sally Prey. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice Podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. On this episode, I got to speak to Sally Prey, um, and she's the owner of Soul Reflections, uh, which is a glass fusing studio uh, here on Camino Island. We actually sell some of her um, pieces of jewelry in the marketplace. Um, but I got to speak with her. Uh, one of the great things about Sally is she's such a uh, giver, and so she does so much for this community. Um, so she helps put on the Mother's Day, or she organizes the Mother's Day Art Festival uh, that we have going on that happens in concordance with the Camino's, or the studio art tour that happens over Mother's Day weekend. And she also has helped start the Summer Arts Jam Festival and uh, many other different events that we've that are put on in this community. So um, she's always just super involved in the community. Um, on top of that, she's just been a great family friend of ours for many years. And um, so we get into that. She uh, has a brother-sister relationship type deal with my dad. So we get into some of the prank shit that she pulled off there as well. So anyways, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Sally Prey. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice. On this episode, I speak to the owner of Soul Reflections. Welcome to the podcast, Sally Prey. Thank you, Brandon. Um, so before we jump into everything, tell us a little bit about Sally. What do you want to know? <laughs> Let's see. I've lived here on Camino about 17 years. Didn't know it had been that long until I started kind of going back. So uh, time flies fast when you're having fun, right? <laughs> and let's see. I was born in Minnesota. Then we moved to Hudson, Wisconsin. And my mom and dad bought the old Wells Fargo Pony Express Hotel, which was really cool growing up there. I am ninth out of 10 children. Uh, and we all had our own horse, or in my case, a pony. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty uh, little. So. And then about sixth grade, we moved back to uh, Minnesota. And then, uh, let's see, I was 17. My husband moved from Arizona, met him, and... We got married in about 43 years ago. And Congratulations. Wait, thank you. Well, we dated 40, 41 years, yeah. And then um, um, we moved to Arizona, lived in Arizona about 17 years, and then we've been here in Washington about 21 years. First lived in Linwood and, and then 17 years here. Okay. I love it here. Do you love it here? I do. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, you came back too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, congratulations to you. On which thing? On buying the marketplace. Oh, thank you. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Yeah. That's been fun. Yeah. So I've got a lot of fun things that we're working on. So Lots of changes. Um, cool. So you guys grew up in the, <clears throat> I know you've mentioned to me before, but um, what was it like growing up in the hotel? <laughs> oh, gosh. So many stories. Um, it was so cool because 
way back then it was over 100 years old and you know they didn't have electricity or anything at the time so just like our fireplace <clears throat> it was a huge huge fireplace you could walk into it um and my mom used to cook in it she had the big wrought iron bars with the pots and stuff when we'd lose uh electricity and stuff and um geez i remember one christmas the snow came up to the second floor window we had to shovel our way out, and um, we had snowmobiles. Um, I actually had to get my snowmobile license in order to drive it to school and stuff. Um, and then it was there was really cool. My I shared a room with two sisters, and we had a big walk-in closet. And behind that, there was a little door, and you'd open up that door, and you'd go into a little room, and that's where they used to keep all the quilts in the winter because they didn't have electricity. And then. Behind that door, you went a little further and opened up a little tiny door, kind of like Alice in Wonderland, you know, <laughs> down the hall. But, and then you'd go in there, and that was a crawl space, a crawl space where um, it went in between all the bedrooms and stuff. So um, that, was, that was pretty cool. And then um, up in the hills, we owned about 50 acres, and up in the hills where all the Indians lived and all of the um, artifacts and stuff were there. And my mom was an incredible artist, um, and so she did uh, incredible things with what we found there and the artifacts and stuff like that. She was one of those artists that can do anything and everything and was good at it. Oh, very cool. So, yeah, she was really neat. So, But a lot of kids, that's ninth out of ten when I come into a room, that's why I'm like, hi, I'm here. <laughs> I want to be her. <laughs> I, I got lost, you know. It was funny because one time I... It, it people don't think it's funny, but it is funny. I I got mad, you know, of course, when you're little, and I ran away from home just to the neighbors, and I left a little note on my pillow saying, you know, I was gone. And I came back, and the note was still there on my pillow. <laughs> <laughs> it was like nobody even knew I was gone. You know, it was like hello. <laughs> my mom did though. Eventually, she told me she did, but I was like, geez, you know. So oh. she was an incredible woman, though. Incredible. Yeah. So are the rest of your siblings, are they all over the states, or are they mostly back in Minnesota? Yep, they're mostly back in Minnesota, Wisconsin. I said that with the accent, huh? Minnesota. <laughs> um, yep, they're all back there. I'm kind of like the black sheep um, who moved away. And my one brother used to live in Alaska for a long time, and then my other brother lived in Africa um, or lived in Africa for a little while, and then also the Philippines for about 20 years um, wow. as a missionary. Okay. And he started one of the first, <clears throat> or the first orphanage for all the children, um, the orphans on the streets. Okay. So incredible. That's very so, cool. Yeah. He's um, an incredible guy. What, what part of Africa was he in? Oh, I can't remember. I can't, I can't remember. I'll get back on you. Okay. Get back to you on that. <laughs> Sounds good. Um... Okay, so then you moved um, to and from Minnesota and Wisconsin, but then you ended up in Arizona. Did you end up in Arizona or did you? What? Yeah. My husband moved up to Minnesota. His folks were transferred up there from Arizona, and his dad was from Minnesota too, though, but um, up in the Boundary Waters, which is so cool. But um, he moved up there. I met him the day after he moved up there. We dated a couple of years and then got married, and then he got transferred back down to Arizona. So. Okay, what was he doing? He was an electronic engineer, and uh, he's been that our whole our whole life. And uh, he fixes the computerized medical equipment in the hospitals, and now he's in the labs. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Um, what part of Arizona were you in? We were in the good part. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're from there. 
just kidding. I give you down a hard time mm. about that. What don't I give you down a hard time about? Let's see. Um, we lived in Mesa and Tempe. My okay. husband's from Scottsdale. Got it. So yeah. Okay. Nice. So what what uh, drove you guys to move up to Washington then? Well, um, Ron, my husband, his uh, home office was up here, so he came up for training. And um, we came up with him, the kids and I, and it, I just fell in love with it. We all did. It felt like if I believed in um, past lives, um, I felt like I had lived here before. I was just meant to be here. There's, this peace came over me, and all of us were just like, when can we go? So his company had offered him a couple times uh, you know, to locate up here. And then um, our kids, we wanted to wait till our daughter finished high school. But we ended up moving up here six months before she um, ended, and she stayed there with her grandparents until until we came up here. So, because okay. it was just a great offer that we couldn't yeah. refuse. So, nor did we want. To. <clears throat> yeah. So then, so. when you were moving up here, did you move directly to Camino, or were you looking at other spots? No, um, we originally moved to Linwood. Okay. And my husband at the time worked in. <clears throat> um, Redmond, Bellevue, in, in the middle of Microsoft, okay. which was weird. Um, Microsoft ended up buying the buildings from the company that I worked at, but um, which was so cool. So when we came up here on a vacation, we heard about Camino, and we drove, and we loved it. We didn't think we could live here, but then when he was transferred, I picked him up one day from his office, and we drove up here, and it was just too far and so then um, he changed companies, and he works from our home now, as I do. And so we didn't have a commute. Our son-in-law at the time was a mortgage broker and said, you want to live by the water, you need to check out Camino again. So here we are. We couldn't believe it because where can you, at the time, where can you get a deal, live on the water with the price and everything? And yeah. Still a good, still, you can still get some really good prices up here and incredible, incredible community that we live in. It is. Yeah. yeah. And that, that was something, um, so like my, my dad's experience, which I've talked about in past podcasts, but it was something that when he came up here, um, he went to the Windermere office and was like, so what do you have under like, he, I, like some crazy amount, like multiple millions of dollars, like that has a water view. And they're like, our whole inventory is below that. <laughs> and he was like, what? Cause I mean, his experience was probably driving mm. along the California coast. And like, mm. if you see water, you're paying at least a million. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you guys lived in Arizona too, Tucson. Yeah. Like we, I just said. Yeah. Right. So coming up here, why wouldn't you want to live by the water? Yeah. You but know? you just expect it to be this astronomical value. And, and it is. Mm-hmm. It is expensive, but it's not to the degree of like California is like. We're getting there though. Yeah, we're working that way. Oh, I know. <laughs> and when here we are, we're always, we're always promoting and talking about what an incredible place this is. Like the events that I put on, I mean, you know, we want people to come and visit our area, come and see what we have because there's not many places like this. And so, but now you, you know, the traffic and everything, it's like, you know, so, but oh my gosh, yeah, we're pretty darn lucky that we live here. So <clears throat> yeah. I just love it. Yeah. Magical. No, and that, that's definitely the, um, I feel like the general tone I've gotten from, especially people that have lived here a long time, but uh, is, is like, come visit the island and, you know, enjoy your visit. And then go home? <laughs> Where else does it say that? Somebody else, there was another promotion on, on some place like that too once it got so big. Okay, now go home, you know, yeah. or whatever. But no, this, it's a great community. I've never lived anywhere 
um, I guess, long enough or not even so much long enough, but always working full time. It's like I went away from where I lived. And then when I started working out of our home with my own business, um, I had never gotten a chance to really become part of the community. Yeah. Tempe, I did. I ran a huge church. We belonged down there, and I ran the Awana <clears throat> program for a couple thousand kids. But wow, um, yeah, it, it was incredible though. It was great. But um, um, but I've never gotten to know a community like I have here, and all the caring and giving people. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, you know? well, I I do think it's something that's interesting that um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people. Don't, and it's something I've uh, talked to. Um, Probably everybody. Yeah. Well, like someone else I was talking to, I forget the interview now, um, but they were talking <laughs> about the school teachers, like as an example. Mm. Most school teachers don't live in the community they teach in. They like drive to that community they teach and then they go home. And to be in a community where like you go to the plaza and you see your school teacher, like for the kids, that's neat. Mm-hmm. They they have this relationship with their school teachers personal, yeah. outside of the school classroom. Yes. And, um, and that's true with our businesses too. You see these, you know, you'll meet all sorts of business owners just walking into the plaza or walking into the marketplace. Like you just meet people that you're like, oh, you're the one who's doing this project. And then you get to talk with them, but you have that interaction. Whereas in Seattle, the people that are moving the big pieces, you never see them because they're in their high, you know, they're the top office and they're doing their thing. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And you, you know, it's like you were just talking about um, Shana. We were just kind of talking about the different people around here. Little did I know. I mean, I adore her, Shana Holbeck. Um, <clears throat> I, I literally, big-hearted lady, um, little lady, big heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But I didn't know, like you were just telling me the background, the family background and everything, and you never know that. Everybody's so humble and, you know, people, you, you just don't know that and everything. So it's like, I know it's one of the questions that, that you have coming up here, but, um, we got to know everybody pretty much when I, when we first started coming in here, buying the coffee. Um, and I almost was going to stop drinking coffee because it made me so shaky and my stomach hurt all the time. And then, um, somebody told me to come in here and try this and we didn't know anybody, but when we came in here, when it was, um, not the marketplace wasn't even here yet. Right. Um, but it was the coffee roasters. Yeah. The building that um, your sister and um, her husband own now. Um, we used to go in there. And your dad, mom, Christy, Terry. Um, oh, gosh, I don't want to forget anybody. Oh, Jen. I mean, everybody. Oh, Dan, your cousin. He was the one who taught me how to you <coughs> know, brew with the... Every time I make my coffee in the morning... With my press, I think of Dan. It's so weird. <laughs> I, isn't it weird, those weird things? Yeah. But you guys, your family and the employees were the ones who more or less welcomed us to the community. Mm-hmm. And that's how, <clears throat> excuse me, that's how we got to know everybody. That's how we felt like we became part of the community. And then your dad, who I always say he's my brother from a different mother, because we're both a little warped. Is that okay to say that? <laughs> I guess. Yes. <laughs> well, he is not me. No, <laughs> just kidding. You cannot do it. Anyway, <laughs> so we just started. I, there was something about your dad to where um, I always say he's my brother from a different mother because I miss my brothers. And your dad, I just clicked with him and felt so comfortable like he was my brother. Yeah. And <clears throat> the practical jokes, 
I guess that's what I enjoy the most. One of the things I enjoy <laughs> the most of your dad is the practical jokes, and um, he can give it out as good as he takes it, and vice versa. So, but I get I've gotten the better of him. <laughs> I do believe. So, would you say? Yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you have a, a favorite one that you've been able to pull you, on him? Oh, do you want me to tell my favorite? Yeah. Oh, sure. <clears throat> well, let's see. I found out that your dad was afraid of snakes. Yep. Yeah, it's been historical <laughs> yeah. documented. <laughs> and so your dad had his private bathroom in his office upstairs. And I would never go in there without him being in there or somebody. But I asked someone to help me, <clears throat> which later um, she came and fessed. It was your mom. She fessed up. But I found this snake in uh, the dollar store. And it was one of those <laughs> ones where you put it in water and it blows up. Yep. And so I had it for the longest time. And finally, your dad went somewhere or whatever. And so I asked your mom, will you help me? And will you put this into um, your dad, into um, Jeff's toilet? Your mom, your mom, your dad. Um, and she said, sure. So I said, but make sure that the head kind of looks like it's coming out of the toilet. So she did. And then she left for California. I think she was taking your daughters to California. She left for California, didn't hear what happened. But then your dad had been out of town for a couple of days, and I wasn't aware of that. So I'm here I'm freaking out going, oh, my gosh, I wonder if he lifts up the toilet lid, he's going to fly back his head. And then I was like, oh, did I go too far? Oh, no, I did not go too far, not with your dad. But... <laughs> Anyway, so your mom got back to me. Nobody else knew about this, no one except for my husband and your mom. And um, I guess your dad was in a meeting, in a business meeting in his office and went in and used the restroom and, um, you know, dropped to the floor, lifted up the lid, dropped his pants, you know, to the floor, lifted up the lid. The snake had blown up so big, it kind of like came out and like, pounced or it looked like it was going to pounce on him and he flew back into the wall opened the door and ran out screaming <laughs> I guess from what I heard I'm sure he'll change the story but um <laughs> so and you know here's all these business guys and stuff so I didn't tell him for weeks and I guess he was trying to figure out who did it and was accusing people and finally Christy found out and so she made me go up and tell him and I walked into your dad's office and he said, Sally Bray, <coughs> I knew it was you, I knew it was you and I said, yeah, I heard you were like a little girly girl and you ran out of your office screaming out of your bathroom. So it's just funny, your dad, you know, is he's incredible but I worry because... <laughs> <laughs> Still hasn't got me back, so we'll see. Want to hear all of them? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but that, that's what I'm talking about, though. I mean, it's this is just the kind of community. I can go on and on with so many of the different people that, um, that I've met here, and I just feel, I don't think Ron and I have ever felt more part of the community. Good. And that's the best part of, of the community here. Yeah. So, and I remember meeting your to your daughters when they were brand new before I even knew you. Time flies. Yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. That was even, was the marketplace even built? Yeah, it was built. Um, From Bonnie and her It husband. was still a... I don't even know if it was built back then, the wooden building yet. Yeah, I mean, that got built, um, that completed construction not long after the roaster did, but was it was it? under Bonnie Brindle for a long time. Yeah, and her husband, um, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's right. Well, I remember the um, coffee roasters um they used to have the christmas boutique and they would move in the back you'd walk in the door and then all that storage and everything back there and oh bless the employees hearts because they would move everything out of there for all the local artists who would bring in their art 
it's for Christmas time, and that's um, how I <coughs> started going, um, you know, with my jewelry and stuff. Yeah. So. so tell me about that. How did you get started with um, Soul Reflections, and how did you get started with uh, glass fusing? Well, my mom was, um, like I mentioned earlier, she was an incredible artist, and when I was little, I used to sit there and watch her do stained glass, and I always wanted to do it, but had never done it. And then um, we lived in Linwood, yeah, and my daughter got married, and then my son went in the Army. This was both at the same time, and he went in the Army and then went to Iraq for almost eight years. And um, I didn't think I'd have that empty nest syndrome, but <laughs> it hit me. And my husband said, you got to do something. And so I took a stained glass class and I liked it. I've done, I've done several big pieces that I, I love and have given his gifts and stuff, but I, it just didn't, the bug didn't hit me. Yeah. And so I heard about a kiln and I used to, um, do pottery a long time ago and I had a kiln and, and a wheel and I used to throw. And, um, so I was familiar with the kiln. And so <clears throat> I heard about, the kiln and how you can fuse glass. So I started reading up on it and went out and got a kiln again. And then I just started playing around with it. And um, I was kind of self-taught. I took a class by Patty Gray, who was incredible, but pretty much self-taught um, and just started fusing. And I brought it in to show uh, some girls at work. And they said, oh my gosh, can you make me some earrings? And now I make fused glass jewelry. Um, it's been about 15 years. Um, my favorite glass to work with, it's called Dichroic. And it's a process that they originally used on um, spaceships, the heat process and stuff. And okay. this company came up with um, it with the glass. And um, that's how Dichroic started coming around. And it, it, one of my favorite things, what's the favorite thing about making my jewelry? Jeez, the Dichroic. Um, second, cutting it. Love cutting glass. Um, it's a big process. People don't realize how um, big of a process it, process it is. You have to um, cut it, you clean it, then you go ahead and you design um, <clears throat> what kind of um, colors, everything, because you look at it and it's not the same color that you're looking at that comes out of the kiln as. Um, so it's a lot of learning, um, trial and error. It's actually helped me not be as anal I guess because I used to be like, okay, this is what I want it to look like. And when I open up the kiln, I'd be like, oh gosh, you know, it's not what I wanted. But then some of my pieces that were my biggest mistakes have been my biggest sellers. Yeah. And so it's really helped me to take a step back and say, okay, you know, I don't, nothing has to be perfect. Yeah. Um, so, so getting back with the glass cutting, I'm mm-hmm. kind of curious, what does that, what do you mean by glass cutting? Well, um, you have a, um, Oh, gosh, what is it called? Um, you've got this little device, can't remember what it's called, and you just go across the glass and um, um, you score it with this little hand device. I can't remember the name of it. Um, and it's called scoring, and you go all the way across and then you um, cut it depending on the size that you um, want. Um and that's kind of starts the process. And are you throwing that into the kiln, or is that what you're using as your canvas? Um, yes, both. But what, what I do is I cut the glass, and then I decide um, um, 
I kind of get a design in my head a little bit. And then that takes about three to four different pieces of glass, sometimes even um, five, depending on the layering and the technique, what I want it to come out as. Um, and then what I do, I cut it. Then I have to clean it. Then I have to glue it. Then it goes into the kiln. Um, and I usually put it into the kiln in the afternoons um, because it takes several hours for the kiln to um, fuse it. And I do a full fuse. There's different types of fusing, like there's tack, there's polishing, there's a bunch of different things. This is totally different than it, a blowing glass. Um, mine is fusing glasses with a kiln. And then when I open up the kiln, mine are, my pieces are called cabochons. And those are flat-backed. And that's how you can tell that the glass was made in a kiln. Okay. As to where if somebody's making beads... Um, they have a um, piece that goes in the middle of the glass, um, and they're on rods, and that's used with a blowtorch. Um, and that's one other um, type of glass. And then there's the um, blowing, and that's totally different, and all of it is totally different glass. You can't use the same glass as I would for stained glass, as you, and you can't use the same glass um, for blowing or for um, um, using a torch. Okay. So it's all different um, types of glass, and in my case, there's three different kinds. I use um, I use 90 and 96, and I can't even um, cross over. I have to use either 90 for all the pieces in one piece, or I have to use like 96. So in my studio, I keep them all separate and everything. So, okay. And if you don't, they can um, you know blow up eventually, <clears throat> which is kind of bizarre. Okay. So, but there are some glasses infusing that are compatible, but um, not very many. So. So then, when you're doing the glasses, uh, gl um, putting in the kiln and everything, mm -hmm. you're never getting it down to molten glass level, right? Yes. Oh, you are. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I I am in a in a way. Um, and then there's also this process too. It's called raking, um, and you can open up the kiln and you can see the glass, and it's just bright red. You can't tell any of the colors or anything. And you put in this tool, and you can rake it and make designs in it. Um, and so, and it's it's I guess molten. Wow. I guess that's how you would say it. But it's interesting. The reason that I started in the afternoon is because once you um, start the process, you don't want to open up the kiln because it can it make it explode. Right. So you have to actually wait to open up the kiln until it's all um, um, cooled down. And I can never wait, so I'm always so excited. Even <laughs> after all these years, 15, 16 <laughs> years later, that's like the the um, best one of the best parts is opening up the kiln. So I leave <clears throat> it so it, it's overnight. And so then I wake up. I brew my Camino Island coffee, and then I go out and I open up the kiln. And I'm like, huh, or oh, dang, you know. <laughs> so, but And then I go back into my studio. I go and, and I take all of the glass that I have, um, and I have drawers and drawers and drawers of, of these, these special cabinets um, and of all the cabochons that I've made. And so I put them on these um, boards, and then I just have... Um, oh gosh, walls and walls, rows and rows and rows of all of the jewelry findings, the pieces. I don't know why they call them findings, but the um, pieces, nobody knows why. I don't know. But um, So I take all of those and I just go along and I pick out different pieces and that's how I design my jewelry. Okay. It just kind of comes out. People ask me all the time, 
um, at the shows, how do you come up with so many different designs? And I said, well, it's either the mood I'm in, the movie I'm watching, or the bottle of wine I'm working on, <laughs> and the weather. So it's pretty much, you know, the moods and everything. So Yeah, but, that's, that's cool. Yeah, and yeah. that's, uh, like... I don't know. I did the uh, podcast with uh, both Mark Ellinger, and then the next week I did one with Marcus Ellinger um, from awesome. Glass Quest, and um, it was just really fascinating. And then I went back and I watched some videos on how they do glass blowing, and um, like they did this whole video of them showing how they make the glass floats, mm-hmm. and um, it's just fascinating because I don't know all that type of stuff. It's like glass is one of those things for me. Um, having an engineering background, you don't really work with glass because, mm-hmm. you know, it's so difficult to work with. They th- um, You think, but it was scary for me at first. I was afraid it was going to get cut and everything. Or explode. <laughs> yeah, it, it was scary. That's interesting that you mentioned not to, I don't mean to interrupt you, but yeah. when I first moved up here, Mark Ellinger, I went to the Mother Days tour. Oh, yeah. And Mark Ellinger, I was sitting there, my girlfriend and I, and um, behind him and getting all his jokes where nobody else did, but... <laughs> He's so funny. But he was one, I said I was interested in this, and he was the one who encouraged me to keep going and invited me to come back when I picked up my girlfriend's float that she ordered. And when I came back, he gave me um, buckets. Um, He said, bring some buckets with you. And he gave me all of this glass that um, he had from his work and gave it to me and said, now go home and play. And I did, and I still have so much of his glass. But I can't mix it with my glass and his glass, but I can still put his glass into the into my um, kiln yeah. and design with it. Okay. And so, and Mark always, every time he'd see me, he'd keep saying, keep going, keep going, and how's it coming, you know? <clears throat> so I'm very, very shy, shy. It's really hard to sell my own stuff. <laughs> it's weird. And a lot of artists say that, so, um, yeah. but I have a really hard time doing that. But Mark was very, very encouraging. Good. Yeah, That's Marcus actually- and him, oh, man. Yeah. Incredible. They're great. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that reminds me of the interview I did with Lydia, um, Lydia Crouch, who actually does painting upstairs with Jed Dorsey's uh, mm. studio. Um, but She's she said awesome. that was something for her that, um, you know, she used to do, um, their family has done a lot of things in the arts. And so they've done like theater, they've done music, they've done all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And she said for her, all these other things were always easy for her hmm. to go and do like theater and stuff. But when she sat down to start doing painting and she was really putting out her own stuff, Mm -hmm. she says that's when it was really hard for her to push through. Mm. And um, through talking to different mentors and stuff, they said that's because you're showing your true self. You're really showing Mm. you're pouring yourself into this and you're afraid like that someone's going to reject it. And that's rejecting you because you put that time in. You put yourself into hmm. that. Interesting. Um, and so she said when she went back to go do her first painting, it took her months of doing it. Hmm. Um, and then she finally did it. And it was, um, you know, hmm. that was her first real art piece that she was had been doing. So Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I tell myself all the time, all they can do if I go in and like to show, <clears throat> you know, my jewelry to sell it or whatever, all they, they can say is no or yeah. yes. Yeah. You know, and it took me probably five or six years to find the glue that actually works. It's not a glue that everybody else uses. And because I do some big pieces and I want this to be um, something that somebody has for a long time. One of the ladies who used to run Warm Beach, um, Joyce, she had called me, asked me to do Warm Beach several years, but I couldn't at the time. And when I finally um, called her and said, I would love to, she said, can you bring some of your stuff up? And I'm like, sure. But I, and I knew she had bought some of my stuff. And I went in and met with her up at Warm Beach, which is an incredible place too, that our area has. Um, and, um, 
I started pulling out all my jewelry and everything to show her what I brought her. And she said, oh, you don't have to pull it out. She said, but I do want to tell you, I wanted to meet with you in private and tell you that your jewelry really means a lot to me. And I wanted to tell you why. She said, every year my dad comes to visit and we go up to Camino Island Marketplace. And she said, and my dad buys me a set of yours. And she said, and that every year, she said, every time I look at your jewelry and I wear it, I think of your dad, I think of my dad. And it just really brings that special meaning. And again, it's, you know, it's what the joy it brings to people. And again, the community. Yeah. And for her to have that memory of coming into the marketplace and also for every time she wears my jewelry, she'll think of her dad, which is incredible. Yeah. It is. It's very neat. It's neat to have that legacy. It is. Yeah. Um, So you've you've touched on it already, but I want to go on to... um, not only have you done um, been an artist in this area for many years, but you've also been very influential in building some very large scale events that are still going today. Um, so I want to jump in the first one that that I think of as the first one, but there's probably other ones you did before this um, or maybe. But the Mother's Day Festival one that you started, mm. how did that one get started and come about? Well, actually, it wasn't me who started it. Okay. Um, it was actually... Um, from what I understand, it was Connie um, Heavely, and she used to find the artist and um, set up the Christmas show at Camino Island Roasters, um, and geez, that was about 16, 16 years ago. Um, I can't remember how she knew I did jewelry, but she invited me to do that, and um, she started it. I guess she even actually, well, anyway, so... So she was doing that, and then she invited me to do the Mother's Day Arts Festival, also on Mother's Day weekend. She ran that at um, here at um, Terry's Corner, and there was about, oh, I think at that time, 10 artists. The building, the new building where your dad's and your office was, wasn't there then, so we used to do it in the rocks, and... Um, so there was about 10 artists there. And then Connie also ran another art show, which was um, Art by the Bay, run by the um, Stanwood Guild. Okay. Um, so that's how I got involved, and she didn't take no for an answer. Um, I didn't want to. My husband stepped in and said she'll have jewelry there for Christmas, and she'll be there for Mother's Day, too. <laughs> so, you know, that's how it all started. And she was an incredible woman. And then um, she ran that for several years and then um, another lady stepped in and was um, helping out with Art by the Bay and then also the Mother's Day Arts Festival here at Terry's Corner and then um, I helped out gosh about 10 years getting the food vendors and stuff for Art by the Bay and then your dad and Christy um, excuse me asked me to start um, uh, running the Mother's Day Art Festival here about I think about six years ago it's been going a long time. Yeah. And um, so it's the 15th annual one this year that I could um, go back. You know, I couldn't go back any further than that. And, and um, Connie couldn't remember either. So um, this will be the 15th. Um, we call it Camino Commons Mother's Day Art Festival now. I call this um, downtown Camino um, here at Terry's Corner. It's my favorite. It's my little... Um, my happy place, as I always tell everybody. Um, and um, so then from there, I was helping Connie with Art by the Bay through the Guild. And it started out here at um, on the island 
where Forte Music is, actually, that little store. Oh, yeah. And then it went to the, it grew, and it went to um, one of the schools, and then it got so big that um, they had to move it because they didn't have enough parking and stuff, and so it was moved to the fairgrounds, Stanwood Fairgrounds. Okay. And it was there about 10 years, but it wasn't the right venue, and they were, the artists, they were losing artists, so they were going to have to shut it down, and they asked me to take it over a couple of years, and I was like, no way. And I hadn't even taken over the Mother's Day show yet um, here at the Roasters. And then finally I said, okay, I'll take it over because they were going to have to cancel it. And I said, only if you let me bring it downtown Stanwood because the fairgrounds, it's not doing anybody any good. And downtown Stanwood, it was sad because you'd drive down there and a store would be there one week and then it would be gone the next. Yeah. And so they said the city won't, you know, let us do that. Oh, yeah. So I went and met with the city. And sure enough, I just sound like Minnesota. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the city, I started working with the city. And I built a, um, I built a committee. Um, and we just kind of took it from there. And we had Art by the Bay there. But then it grew so big um, that we had to break away from it because of the, um, um, because of the, um, what do you call it, um, um, uh, the sponsorship and how they were as far as the tax and all that. So we had to start an organization to where um, it had to be different um, as far as the tax status and everything. So, so um, that's where Summer Arts Jam Festival came into play. Okay. And it's gotten so big down in Stanwood that this year we are partnering with the um, Stanwood Chamber of Commerce and they're coming in and helping us um, and we've also um, dealt with and gotten to work with Amtrak the last few years, and that's huge. Um, and we've gotten to, uh, we have incredible, incredible people on our committee. Um, and we've all had our, our own little jobs and how to make it big. And most of them are also with us up here on the Mother's Day Arts Festival. Um, when we started out the Mother's Day Art Festival here on the island, like I said, um, we had started with like 10 artists and last year would we have 35 uh, we had a lot yeah <laughs> they were yeah. not just the grass but also the parking lot it was awesome yeah, yeah. it and was then great marsha kessler um she sings all five days she's here um and then with everything the marketplace the scooped the ice cream um, the um, Brooklyn Brothers, the pizza. Yeah. Um, geez. And um, now this year we have mis- tapped because yeah. like last year, um, Naked City had just shut down, which yeah. is really sad. Yeah, I love them. Yeah, yeah, we have tap now, so come in and have a beer, um, a glass of wine. Um, all the different artists and everything. Gosh, you know we've got the tables down there. You can um, come in and check out all the incredible artists. It's a juried show, so we have um, we're on's application. Um, and that reaches 25, 30,000 people in the Northwest, different artists. So wow. we have quite the juried show up here. And it's it's like a little family. Yeah. All the artists, you know, it's not this humongous show, but they're all like, oh, I want to come back. This is like the, the best show. It's just so personal. Yeah. So, and we've got incredible people here on the island that are real art collectors, not to mention all the artists yeah. here yeah. on the island. Because it's the same day as also the... Um, um, the um, studio art tour. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. So incredible. Yeah. No, so. it's, it's, it's really neat. It's such a neat community to, to have all of that in one place. Yeah. Um, in, in a fairly secluded small community. Yeah. Um, and yet there's so many talented people like that. Out yep. There, so. Yeah. With and everybody just wanting to help <laughs> and be there. So there's a lot more things that I'd like to kind of bring in, um, and 
and introduce and do with the Mother's Day Art Festival. Yeah. Just, and if you go to artsfestivals.org or um, Stanwood Camino artsfestivals.org, um, go on in there and, and you can either apply as an artist or get directions how to come up here and you'll see the incredible, beautiful, beautiful uh, photo that we have also of the area that you had a photographer take. Yeah. Incredible um, aerial view. Yeah. And you can see where the artists are going to be and how beautiful it is up here. That's an incredible picture that you took. Yeah. Or that you had taken. Yeah. All right. Um, so lastly, what do you see as the future of Sally Prey? Oh. Um, let's see. What's the future? Well, I want to be part of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to start it, right? Um, I don't know. I never thought I would be here doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, I grew up in a you know art community. I grew up you know singing and singing in a band and throwing and art. But I never considered myself an artist. But um, I just want to wake up every day, um, be happy and be blessed that you know I'm I'm here. I get to live here. And I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to find out. Yeah. What, what do you answer me? Let me throw back <laughs> at you. What do you see? What do you see um, in your future? Yeah. I mean, honestly, just within the, using the marketplace and Camino Commons and uh, creating a unique uh, community here for Camino Island, mm -hmm. um, both for the locals and the, the tourists. And um, your family, your family's yeah. growing. Yeah. I mean, how many kids do you have now? Four kiddos. Yeah. Oh, and counting. Yes. For now. There we go. Um, but yeah, no. And, and just create that unique experience, um, that you can only create here on Camino. Yeah. So I hope I'm still doing my jewelry. I yeah. love my jewelry. I've yeah. done a lot of glass work, but I love my it's jewelry. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but, um, so. yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I just, to wake up every day and, and to get to live the life that I'm living and be truly thankful and, and so thankful to my husband and, and all my friends and my family and can't ask for more. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. So the first one is, do you have a lesser known or favorite location on Camino Island that you like to visit or hang out? Well, I've already answered that. My favorite place would be um, here at Terry's Corner. It's uh, when somebody comes to visit, we always come here first. Um, we get coffee. We'll get um, breakfast now. You can get breakfast, lunch, and dinner here pretty much. You can do all the shopping here. Um, and it's great because it's got all the artists and all the different things that represent our community, our island. Um, and people like to bring that home um, with them. And then um, we go down to this little tiny beach on the south end. It's a sandy little beach that I found one day. Not a lot of people know about it. There's always eagles. It's beautiful. And then we go back home, sit on the deck, throw back a couple, watch the sunset, and, and again, just be thankful, you know, have the neighbors over, the company. It's, it's a good place to live. Yeah. Oh, and I've never gotten to crab. I've ne I, growing up in Minnesota, I'm a fisher person. I love to fish. And um, so I've been wanting to go crabbing and wanting to go crabbing. Hasn't worked out um, this year. Um, I'm promised to go out with Rick Hawkins, our old um, police chief in Stanwood. Um, he's going to take me out. But last year, your mom and dad 
gave me a huge bag of crab. Nice. Oh, I still have some in the freezer. So <laughs> crabbing here is, the crab and the seafood here is incredible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That it can't be understated because if you ever go to the East Coast, they say they have seafood. Don't believe them. Yeah. <laughs> Under the Northwest. Oh, yeah. It doesn't compare, does it? <laughs> no, Even it Alaska. Well, yeah. you know, it compares. But yeah, it would, I would hate it if I was allergic to it. Oh, <laughs> God. Yep. That would be horrible. So, but... Um, so this kind of ties into the other question, but pretend you have a friend coming from out of town who hasn't been here before. Um, what were the first day look like here? That's exactly what I just said. Yeah. That's exactly what we do. We, (laughs) um, come here and, uh, eat breakfast, get our coffee. And then, uh, you know, they shop even Christmas time. Um, the first, when my mother-in-law comes in the summer, she always wants to come up here visit your dad. She's always hoping that your dad is here. Um, she loves to talk to him. That's the census seems to be, you know, everybody with your dad. Yeah. Um, and you've got big shoes to fill. I know (laughs) working on it. Yeah. Doing a good job though. Um, and then, um, she loves to buy the gifts for everybody and bring it home. And, um, then we just kind of, you know, make a day out of it and just, there's so much to do around here. Mm-hmm. The trails, um, one of your podcasts were Barnum Point. Yeah. So pretty. Yeah, it's Well, last great. year I went, I went um, um, uh, what do you call it, um, the first time, uh, the boats, um, you know, the boats. Kayaking? Were, yeah. 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 <laughs> Sounds like. <laughs> that thing. Yeah, I went kayaking. Hope to do more of that. Yeah. Um, that was way cool. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, I got really to do that a nice. little bit this last year. And Did it's you? Because, yeah, growing up on the island, you'd think I would do that, and I really hadn't really done it. So this last year, I got to do it over the summer, and it was it's great. Did you it's go nice. from your folks' new place? I did from there, and I did from my brother-in-law, because he also has kayak. So oh. I did both sides. It was fun. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, it's good. Do yeah. you live around here? No. Oh, you don't? <laughs> but I'll, I, bet you, I, I bet, I'll bet I'm, it won't be long. I'm here pretty often. So. Yeah, you are. All right. Um, next, who is an interesting or fascinating person in this community that I should interview next? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, let me see. Who wouldn't there be, right? Um, I would think, oh, gosh, um, your dad. Yeah. Now that he's retired. Yeah. Big hearted guy. Um, I'd like to hear what he's doing when he's not around as much as he was, even though he always tells me I never need an invitation just to come on down and knock on the door. But how about John Ebner? Yeah. Incredible. Have you, have you interviewed him yet? No, I haven't. I've been wanting to. Jack. I talked to him about it. What about Jessica McCready? I have. She was actually my second podcast. Oh, okay. Cause I, sorry, missed that one. What about Randy and Marla? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I got to interview them. Yep. I miss those. What the heck? What about, Renee, <laughs> what about yo, Oh my God. What about Renee Keller with Remax? No, I haven't. I've been trying she to get in touch too. with her. Yeah. yeah no, she's she, one I want to get on the podcast. She'd be incredible. Oh, you know who would be really hilarious? Chris Tui. Oh, okay. Chris yeah. Tui from Forte. Yes. He, um, him and his wife, Cynthia, uh, built Forte Gallery studio okay. up on the north end where the little grocery store used to be. Yes. And um, his history is incredible. I mean, he's traveled around the mu- around the world. He's been in Vegas. He's been 
gosh, in so many different bands. And then there's Cynthia. I mean, she travels all over the world. She has a, a, a little place on the East Coast where she goes back and forth from here to there. And she works for a company called NADAC. Um, and she goes all around the world to these little, little tiny countries. She even went to Cuba before you could even um, okay. do a special permit. Um, and she um, trains and educates for um, um, drugs and alcohol and trains all the counselors and um, doctors and stuff like that. Incredible, incredible history. She's, okay. She'd be a heck of a lady. And Chris, they're quite a pair. Um, gosh. Um, and do you want... From what I've heard, you, you're pretty much looking for people around the island, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done people on Sandwood as well. Elaine yeah. um, uh, Travers with the um, chamber. She's um, incredible. Oh, what about Adam Kopp? Yes, I've interviewed him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've gone and listened to so many of them. Where have I missed this? But I'm coming up with good ideas. I mean, you know. Yeah. Let's see. Um, oh, gosh. Um Gosh, I, so many. Yeah. I'll email you. Okay, sounds good. I mean, good. you sound like you've pretty much... I'm, there's still a lot. I have such a big list of people to interview, and I'm looking forward to all of them. They're... Oh, I thought you were just interviewing me because you ran out of people. No. <laughs> I couldn't figure out. <laughs> okay. Well. All right. So last okay. question is, if you could have a oh. message on a billboard on Camino right as you're driving on the island, uh, what would that say? Exactly what your dad's already done. Come out of your shell on Camino Island. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's not original, but I just, uh, I don't know. And I guess we should also put out, um, if you don't mind me adding to this interview, the dates for the um, the Mother's Day Art Festival. Yeah, well, and I'll put a link in the description as well of okay. um, so you can find out, you know, any new information. But, yeah, go ahead, throw them out there. How about um, we start on May 8th, 9th, and 10th, and then the next weekend we go, because it's so popular, we do May 16th and 17th. And then the Summer Arts Jam Festival in Stanwood is July 10th, 11th, and 12th. All right. So you can either take the train, come on up. Um, gosh, there's so many ways to... And the best thing about Camino Island is there's no bridge. I mean, there's no... <laughs> <laughs> there's no ferry. There's no ferry. There's a beautiful bridge, right? Oh, my gosh. <sighs> oh, it's just, yeah, you don't need to worry if the ferry's going or what. No, no ferry charge. Just drive right over the beautiful bridge. So Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Sally. Thanks, Brandon, for having me. I really enjoy it. And I'm glad you're you're here and you're carrying on the great legacy, you and your sister and TJ, the great legacy of your dad. Yeah. It's good to see. Thank you. So, All right. Thank you. Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Sally Prey for joining us on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And for more information on this episode or previous episodes, go to kamenocommons.com slash podcast. That's kamenocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.